Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Glad to have you with us alongside here on Light the Tower. Here on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way. Glad to have you with us. Always pleased to be joined by my co-host, the pride of Northwest Williamson County, a proud graduate always of Florence High School. Uh, he was an outstanding offensive lineman, honorable mention all district. You might have known him then, but you know him best for his outstanding work. I hope you didn't know me then. Uh, well, and if you did, and if you did, I apologize. No, if they knew you then, they probably are close to you because <laughs> yes. they knew you win, right? Yes, that's Jeff Howell, of course. And, uh, and then, of course, our erstwhile producer behind the glass coming off another interesting weekend. Uh, that may be one way to describe it. He's Jonathan John Donaldson, Jay, Jay Donaldson. We know him, Snoop Daniel. How'd your weekend roll? Good. Uh, a lot of hooping. I'm Hoop Snoop. Jeff, I really like you. You set it off when he's like, Hoop Snoop, yep. like it yep. set it in, into motion. So appreciate you. Glad and, I could do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I love basketball. And, and basketball is so I, – I feel it's underappreciated in this state. So I'm going to do the best I can to – I think it depends on who you're asking. There's yes. a lot of people who truly appreciate the game. True, yes. There are people who appreciate it, but – I'm going to put this as nicely as I can. Not as well-versed in the art of it. I'm telling you, the best basketball environment – High, at the Irwin Center that I was ever a part of yeah, was the Kimball Yates state championship game. Mm-hmm. The year Yates had that long winning streak with Damian Dotson. Yeah. And Keith Frazier was shooting like three-quarter court threes and knocking them down for Kimball. Best environment I was ever in in the Irwin Center. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've seen and called a lot of games in, in that building uh, at uh, high school and collegiate level and some of the best environments, no doubt, were – uh, of the state you know those championship those, games. those great basketball games, Craig, where you, you, people talk about, oh man, it's like a heavyweight fight, and they're just throwing haymakers, mm-hmm. one after the other after the other. That was some of the more fun basketball games I've ever seen. True enough. And then the people in the stands, their commentary gives the game a whole. If you're mm-hmm. there, it becomes part <laughs> that nobody really knows about except the people that heard it. That's right. That's right. Because <laughs> it's, it's you know it's Third Ward in Houston. That's what Yates represents, oh, my Lord. and then. With Kim, anytime a South Dallas team is in a state championship, and I think Sock was in that same state tournament, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, you got all of South Dallas there. So, <laughs> lots yeah. of chirping. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, speaking of hoop, uh, let me get to to this. Tell you what's coming up on the program because Jeff is with us for the first hour of the program, and then Jeff will be headed over to campus. Uh, the University of Texas will have a, a men's basketball media availability. It's the first one they've had since their announcement of last Thursday that. Chris Beard was no longer the head coach, so uh, interim head coach Rodney Terry and uh, and players will be a part of that. So Jeff will be headed over there after the first hour of the program. Uh, obviously, with basketball, we'll recap what happened in Stillwater for both the men and the women. Uh, a look around the Big Twelve Conference. So that's kind of some basketball, and then and then also coming up in the second hour. This will be after uh, Jeff had left. Um, there'll be a little bit of basketball talk because. Uh, with this with this guest I'm about to mention, 
because it's important because he's the analyst for TCU's basketball team. And, of course, the Horn Frogs will be here on Wednesday night to play Texas. He is, however, also the analyst for TCU Horn Frog football. And John Denton, our longtime friend, uh, who uh, is the analyst for TCU's radio network, is working his final game as analyst oh, on the really? football broadcast. Yep. He oh, is, man, I didn't know he's, that. He's stepping down from his position. Uh, I want to make sure I've got this right. He's He's been a, an associate AD and working uh, with the Frog Club for, for decades. Yeah. He played football, uh, was coached by Jim Wacker, played there uh, in the early 80s, and uh, has been with the Frog Club for many, many years. He is stepping down from his position uh, with the, the athletic department per se, and... Um, and and so he's also finishing out his contract as a broadcaster, football and basketball, and then he's going to go work with their branch that that deals with NIL. So, there you go. So that's what. But JD, as we know him, John Denton will join us in uh, the second hour to preview tonight's national championship between TCU and Georgia, and also to give everybody a little bit of insight with uh, the uh, with the basketball team, which lost a heartbreaker at home to Iowa State, Gabe Kalsher's three-pointer with a second to go, the difference in that one on Saturday. Otherwise, they'd be coming in to Moody Center 3-0 and in conference play. They're 2-1 like Texas, and that'll be Wednesday night. Speaking of uh, TCU football, I have an urge to throat punch Every national analyst I hear break down this game when they talk about, oh, man, the Big 12, it's a it's a passing league. I mean, they're pass-happing the Big mm-hmm. 12. No, it is not. The Big 12 hasn't been that way in about a decade. Like, get with the times. Maybe watch a Big 12 game every now and then. Look how many good running backs are in this league. Look how many good running teams there are in this, as Michigan found out. How many teams in this league want to run the football, can run the football, and do it at a very high level nationally. So... I don't think people are – it's just lazy takes about what brand of football is played in the Big 12. We talk all the time about the defensive innovation that's Mm. in the Big 12. Well, they don't play defense in the Big 12. No. Whether it's Texas, TCU, Iowa State, there are teams in the Big 12 that played really good defense this year. And some programs throughout the past five, six years that have played really good defense. So – it's just, just I'm telling you, if you're a Big 12 fan, just just be prepared for it. Be prepared tonight to just want to rip your hair out. And I don't have much left to rip out at this point. It's it's difficult, I've noticed over the year, for the narrative to change once it gets labeled on a T- lot of things. TCU wins this ball game tonight, it'll get changed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, no, I agree with you. And uh, just like the narrative also changes that if a university – makes a change during the season with its head coach and you have an interim head coach coaching them for the rest of the season, the narrative quite often is, yeah, that guy's just riding it out to the end of the year and then boom, they move on and they find somebody else out and they find somebody else to be the new head coach. And that happens quite often. But it shouldn't be the narrative that is chiseled in granite. And it is... A easy go to knee jerk reaction thought that uh, with Chris Beard not returning as head coach of Texas, that uh, they're just going to ride through the rest of this year with uh, Rodney Terry and the staff, and then just blow it up and start all over again. Yeah, but if if what if Rodney Terry is coaching this team in the Final Four? Exactly, or, or or even into the second weekend of the tournament. You know, there's there's which, which this program hasn't been to since 2008. Exactly. When he was an assistant. Yes. So, 
so that's why I say narratives can sometimes be difficult to uh, change. So, uh, so the point the point being is that let it play out and let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, uh, no, no sense. Straight. I mean, look, we, we laid it out, Craig, on Friday while you were gone. Uh, we got our list of candidates at Horns 24-7. It's not that different than the list a lot of other people have up. I mean, Eric Musselman might be Chris Del Conte's top candidate. Nate Oates from Alabama, I think there's some interest there. Jay Wright's going to, in some way, shape, or form, going to be contacted because he's the best free agent coach on the market, and you have to. But it's not something that's going to have a resolution next week, next nope. month, or in the next two months. No, and if this team continues to play uh, – at a high level, like we said, and has some success in the NCAA tournament, that may, uh, it, it, uh, that search may never happen. You know, don't know, or it may happen, but they may decide certainly to, possible to there, with what they got. There are no fine, uh, uh, except for a couple of candidates that have been thrown out that you could say, yeah, I, I doubt it. There are no finite conclusions you can come to when it comes to who's going to ultimately replace Chris Beard. No, uh, agreed. Agreed. That would so, be a fool's a fool's errand at this point to it, try to think of something. It's like night. it's like what Rodney Terry said. There's there's it's a long season. Yeah. There's a long way to go with that. Uh, our specs text line is open at three three seven three seven seven six five one two three three seven three seven seven six. Our good friend Tom McKay with uh, audiovisual. No, he is audiovisual consultations. But he says underappreciated hockey is the most underappreciated sports. Referee involvement in basketball has ruined the game. No physicality. It's like soccer on hardwood. Um, it, it depends on the crew, Tom. I, I've seen crews, veteran crews, that let them play, that really let them get physical. And then I've seen some that, that call ticky-tack fouls, and I've seen them uh, call things that you're like, what? There was twice, twice in the final quarter of the women's game Saturday night, in Stillwater, Texas was called for carrying the basketball. Two so different players. Different. I, I'll disagree with Tom for, from this standpoint. I haven't seen officiating impact basketball negatively near to the effect I see with umpiring in baseball. Oh, boy. Yeah, don't get me started there. <laughs> yeah, y'all, y'all want to see get Craig get half hot or all the way hot? <laughs> let, let, something, let a borderline call or, or an obvious call get missed in a baseball game. I don't even have to say anything sometimes. I'm working with a learned baseball analyst like a Keith Moreland or Ty Harrington, and I see their response. Their, I see them recoil or go, woo. I've bumped into you plenty after the games, either passing each other in the press <laughs> box or I go in the booth if I need to ask you something. And I've seen you I've seen you pretty fired up <laughs> at some some questionable decisions. Um, yeah. Both, and it's, it's not just like a pro-Texas thing. It's both ways. Like, I can't believe – they missed that rule. That that's not the proper ruling there. Whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. So uh, anyway, those are those are among the topics. And then there's the National Football League, fellas. How you feeling about your Dallas Cowboys there, Snoop? How you feeling about the uh, the Cowboys after yesterday's desultory twenty six six? Loss at the hands of the Washington Commanders. Maybe they were playing possum. It's not. Not a big deal. Like you, like you can't brush it brush it off. Say, eh, it's not a big deal. But it's also not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. I th- yeah, I still feel good about this. my win or lose. Once I, 
I was I kind of disconnected from it once I saw the Eagles Giants score starting mm-hmm. to get out of hand. You didn't worry about and it. Then, and then the 49ers Cardinals score getting out of hand. I'm like, you know what? Even if they came back and won this game, it wouldn't matter. They're still going to be the five. Does yeah. not matter. Yeah. And my focus is now on the Cowboys have never beaten Tom Brady. Ever, 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 ever Seven beaten Tom Brady. That's where my focus turned to probably mid third quarter of that game. Yeah, that's true. And so, and that is the first ever Monday night wild card game. Looking forward to it, man. Next, next Monday night. So it's pretty sweet. You know that was going to be the first draft choice, so to speak, of the networks. There, they would love to have you know Cowboys, Tom Brady. You know, Troy hadn't had very many Cowboy games this year either. No, no. You know he'd like to get a couple. He gets this one uh, this week, and then. Uh, and then, you know, the end of the uh, NFL regular season yesterday, a lot of drama in the AFC, starting with Buffalo with the uh, opening kickoff. Naheem Hines taking it back. He would have a second one. All of the emotion, all of the, uh, you, you, know, uh, um, you know, intensity that was going into uh, the Buffalo game because of DeMar Hamlin's recovery. As it continues, he's still listed, by the way, in critical condition, but but obviously breathing on his own and and able to communicate uh, with um, with uh, teammates and doing the Zoom with them and all that. So it's uh, in fact a, a photo of him was tweeted out right before kickoff there with family, and then and then Himes returns the uh, opening kickoff, ninety six yards for a touchdown. He returns a second one for a touchdown, which by the way. The Bills kind of needed both of those. It would have been would have been really tight to try to pull off that win over New England. They did end up winning by twelve, but would have been difficult had they not had those two touchdowns for sure. Was it bittersweet to see Quandre Diggs have a pretty big hand in putting the Rams out of their misery? It was. It was. I'm glad you put. It, and if somebody was going to uh, put them out of their misery, I was glad it was a uh, former. There were two Longhorns who really kind of put them out of their, their misery. I, and I watched virtually the entire Rams game yesterday. I was, I was flipping. God bless you. Well, well, I was flipping <laughs> over to the Cowboys. That wasn't anything worth watching, right? So I kept watching My, it. It was, it was at least competitive. You know, why, you know the other reason why I watched it yesterday, other than being a, a long-suffering Rams fan? I realized yesterday might, might be the final time I ever have NFL Sunday ticket. Because true, it's, I, I've been a Directv customer, and and I did it just to get NFL Sunday ticket twenty four years ago, in nineteen ninety eight, and it's leaving. It's going to YouTube TV next year, so I don't know how all that's going to play out with me. Might might uh, and 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 if I don't have it, I might miss it. But I thought I'm going to watch as many games as I can on this final. So I had my iPad up, and I'm flipping around, and I'm watching. Everything and I'm nice. I'm texting my brothers because they were wanting to know what was going on in the Bengals Ravens and they were wanting to know what was going on in the Jets Dolphins. So I'm watching all of those games, but then when I when I was watching um, the Rams game, uh, since we we're talking about officiating, uh, there were two uh, ex Longhorns who figured prominently in the final nail going in the, the Rams. One, I give him credit, Michael Dixon. Get, gets off a punt. Long ball, Dixon. Shout out Rod Babers for yeah. pointing that nickname. Yeah, and then he and then he uh, should maybe get Emmy Award nominated. Uh, Dixon. He he drew a running into the kicker call when there was a Ram who was blocked in him. Otherwise, the Rams would have had the ball 
uh, right near about their 40-yard line or 35-yard line with about five minutes to go in the game. Instead, it kept the drive with the lead. Instead, it kept the drive alive, and they go down, and then, and then, uh, and then uh, the uh, Seahawks tie the game. It goes to overtime, and here's the part you said that you take some solace on this. That it was Baker Mayfield, a former Oklahoma Sooner, <laughs> throwing the ball deep downfield, being picked off by Quandre Diggs because he flat out underthrew Van Jefferson, who was wide open, would have taken it in for a touchdown. Rams would have won the game, and we'd be talking about the Detroit Lions in the playoffs this morning, not uh, not the Seattle Seahawks. But uh, it was picked off by Quandre Diggs, and by the way, speaking of officiating, it was pointed out on the telecast. He could very well easily have, if not should have been flagged for taunting and unsportsmanlike because he went at the sidelines and was pointing. Yeah, I saw that. Pointing at uh, at the Rams at the sideline. Would you be opposed, Craig, since Snoop is an unabashed Baker Mayfield fan? He's a Baker Mayfield supporter. Us getting Snoop a Baker Mayfield Rams jersey. That'd be funny. So yeah, did. And and why are you flashing hook him? Baker, oh, yeah, Baker that's right. I, just, I think that's just my... Uh, you might as well just go horns down. No, no. That's, you know? wow. that's what he did. A, it's, a re, it's a reflex <laughs> for Snoop to celebrate good things, right, <laughs> yes. Snoop? Yes, it well, is. I'd I just be throwing Second nature. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't good for Baker yesterday. Uh, he, I think he cemented his future as being with a, a team other than the Rams Damn. yesterday. <laughs> I would rather have... Did a, not have a good game. I, I'd rather have a Dicker Chargers jersey. Down. There you go. There you go. So anyway, that's... By, so by the way, Craig, yeah. uh, since your Rams traded away, I don't know, their first-round pick for the next decade, Yeah, uh, they would have the sixth pick in the draft. Yeah. But the fighting Dan Campbells, who finished with a winning record, they've got the sixth pick. Yeah. And they can kind of build on that. They're believing in Jared Goff, so... That's a danger. You know better than anybody. God love them. It's a dangerous, <laughs> it's a dangerous game to play. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Jared Goff and the Lions finished nine and eight, and the Rams finished five and twelve. Uh, but the but the Rams did mortgage the future and sold their souls and all that stuff to get that one ring, and they got it, and they got that that one Super Bowl trophy. And and I looked at it and say, look, um, you know, Matthew Stafford got knocked out for the season. Uh, Cooper Cup got knocked out for the season. They lost six starting offensive linemen at one point or another, including ones who had to step in as starters due to injuries during the course of the season. Uh, They lost Aaron Donald. So this year was going to be a wash. Their running back situation got so bad they had to sign Malcolm Brown off the street. Yeah, yeah, he actually scored a touchdown last week. Now, Cam Akers has looked good. It looked good the final three games. He topped 100 yards rushing all three of the final games for them. But they have to figure out a lot of things where they are. I I pretty much... uh, cashed in the season yeah uh you know early on when the injury started happening went oh well all right they got their super bowl title now let's see where it is starting in 2023 but for the cowboys here they are with an opportunity but they are the five seed they've got to go to tampa you know if 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 the bucks had played tom brady more than a quarter they might have won yesterday not that it was going to matter they were locked into the four uh but they would at least have carried a nine and eight record, a winning record yeah. into the postseason. As it stands, they'll be eight and nine hosting the Cowboys on Monday night. They've got a chance to drive a stake through the heart of the GOAT. <laughs> right now. And I hope it happens. Right now. Best team in the NFL is the 49ers.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. Snoop, best team in the NFL is? Chiefs. The Chiefs. I, um, I, I think both of you have really good points. The Chiefs can be beaten as, as Cincinnati has proven, but they'd have to do it in Kansas City if it happened. Of course, if Buffalo plays them, it's going to be at that neutral site thing that they figured out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's Chiefs-Bills. Um, and... Uh, and, and it's interesting that, that you guys, and, and you're kind of along with the flow of a lot of the nation, not thinking Philadelphia. Hey. And, and Jalen Hurts was back yesterday. And that would involve, uh, let's be honest, that would involve me complimenting the Philadelphia Eagles, and it just goes against my DNA to do that. Yeah, but you have to separate emotion from, from analysis. When it comes to the Eagles, Craig, I just can't. You're able to separate emotion from analysis when you look at Oklahoma. I know. That's how much I hate the Eagles. Uh, oh, yeah. Somebody asked you different uh, Eagles or Gerald, you know? That's like asking somebody, who would you rather, you know, if, if, if in, in their prime, if the Soviet Union is fighting Saddam Hussein in Iraq, Good who would Lord. you root for? Like, <laughs> prime. I, I, can I just, can I, can I be Switzerland in this and just be uh, neutral? Like, okay, I don't. Okay. Um, uh, I, I, I'd say that. When they have all their pieces and they're healthy, and, and Jalen Hurts, uh, you could you could tell he seemed operated about 75-80% yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has another week to rest that shoulder uh, before and they get their bye. I, I, th- I just think it's going to be very difficult for a team to go into Philly in December and beat them. Uh, in January, excuse me, and beat them It's gonna, uh, in the playoffs. I think it's going to be tough. Now, the 49ers absolutely look great. I'm I'm waiting to see if the Brock Purdy magic runs out, but they've got other guys who have been injured who are back now. Uh, they have Debo Samuel Debo. back. They've got Elijah Mitchell back. So um, yeah, and they're the two seeds. So I mean, they can go all the way up to that Philly game uh, as hosting. I think they'll handle the Seahawks this week, and then and then I think they'll uh, you know, beat the winner of the Vikings and the Giants. In the division round, if the seeds hold the form. You, you think about the 49ers season, right? Like, they lose Trey Lance, what was that, in the preseason or first couple weeks of the season? Early on. To that leg injury. Then Jimmy G, the guy that they didn't trade, Jimmy G keeps him relevant. Right. And then he gets hurt, and you're down to you're down to pump fake Purdy. Yeah. And their offense has not been better than when pump fake Purdy has operated it the pump last few fake weeks. Purdy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and he's... He's been able to keep uh, keep uh, the car on the road. Uh, He's been good, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so uh, the CB said Quandre showed up to the game yesterday wearing a Seattle Kraken jersey, the NHL team. That's pretty cool. Should have worn a Sonic Sean Kemp throwback jersey if yeah. he wanted to impress me. Yeah, okay. Uh, all right. So, anyway, we'll get to uh, more of uh, your summations and uh, questions on the Specs text line at 337-3776-512-337-3776. Up next, we have a Longhorn Notebook. Where are we going with Notebook? I think I know. We're, we're loaded. We're yeah. Foot, football with wide receivers coach. Longhorn's added another piece of the 2023 class. Mm-hmm. And what does Gary Patterson think about TCU? 
being in the national cool. championship game. So toward that end, that's why Snoop put together a, a highlight montage of the Longhorns win on Saturday in Stillwater. We're going to save that to open the 11 o'clock hour uh, because uh, we want to have Jeff as long as we can have him here uh, before he has to go over to the media availability. And John Denton, TCU uh, uh, radio analyst, will join us. Also, we'll hear from Rodney Terry and from Brock Cunningham uh, following the game. All that's coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. But... Jeff with the Longhorn Notebook is up next when we continue to light the tower on the horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. Live local. This is Light the Tower on the Horn. Craigway, Jeff House, Snoop Daniel. Snoop must be recalling his forays into the strip club since he's playing Rock's Head League. Now, this, you know what? Look. Craig, this reminds me, I don't know if you remember, do you remember Y95 in Dallas? Yeah. That was like the king pop station before yeah. Kiss, but this is what this. <laughs> what is this about Snoop and script clubs? Did I miss something? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I haven't been to video of late, but I wouldn't mind. I, I'm not averse. I mean, I, I've heard it said that probably the, the two most strip club anthem Type songs would be this and pour some sugar on me by uh, yeah. Def Leppard. Probably would be the, the case. <laughs> uh, She's so, cute. I can yeah. save her. Uh, yeah, you're right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, sure She's you can. Just a dancing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, somebody said, uh, I, uh, Old John in the Bay said, I love Sean Kemp, but if Quandre showed up in a number 43 Jack Sigma jersey, it would have been an all-time move, yeah, when he played for the Sonic. John wanting to know, by the way, he said he had a chicken biscuit sandwich from Chick-fil-A. He said, what is your guy's favorite breakfast sandwich? That might be yeah. it, honestly. Really? Yeah. And Sean Kemp moves a really cool video game player. I love yeah. the uh, Whataburger breakfast on the bun, the Bob, as they call it. You know, you remember the Rain Man Reeboks Bro, back in the day? Sean Kemp was, I mean, you, you, I talked about uh, 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 Anthony Hill having that box fade. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sean Kemp was, the, and Sean Kemp was the originator. He had the box fade, and he had like a dip in it. And it, That dude was swag a million. Sean Kemp. That's why he also had a million kids. Yeah, but. he did. Yeah, that's a good point there. <laughs> As if on cue, that leads us right to the notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. It's a Longhorn Notebook, and it's brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert, and your Longhorn lender. See if Aaron can do for you what she did for Linda and me, and that was to get that home loan approval in a snap. She can, after all, be the one to turn that home loan approval around in 10 days or less. Check her out on the web at Bowersock.com. Team.com, B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K, just like it sounds. Bowersockteam.com. We're trying to, trying to celebrate Sean Kemp and Snoop is bringing up the, the, the nefarious side yes. of the Rain Man. Oh, no, it's a, a celebration, too. Those kids will grow up be great. Let's hope so. Yeah. Uh, we're going to focus mostly on football in this edition of The Notebook. So from, from a standpoint mm-hmm. of closing out the 2023 class, Texas got to reveal finally. It was very, very horribly kept secret about Jelani McDonald already signing his national letter of intent, sending it to Texas, just waiting for the All-American Bowl to make the announcement, which he did on Saturday. I actually walked into my hotel room. Now, this remember, on Saturday, both the men and women played in Stillwater. So the men had the early game. It was an 11 a.m. game. And the women weren't playing until 6 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went over to the hotel to shower and change and i had to shower because i don't know if you heard there was no the the, the guys had no water 
at the hotel Friday. What? Yeah, yeah. I'll, oh. I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. But um, so I go over after the men's game to shower, and I turn on the TV like you do when you go into your hotel room. And it was right when Jelani McDonald was getting ready to unveil the worst kept secret, right? Yep. Uh, Texas likes him on defense, uh, likes him. He could be a linebacker, could be at that star position, could do a number of different things. Worked out a corner at the All American Bowl, but a really, really talented kid out of Waco Connolly. Picks Texas officially. So now, Craig, the Longhorns don't have much to do. They're going to still recruit Deuce Robinson until the bitter end. A really, really talented two-sport athlete, tight end, and a baseball player out of the state of Arizona. I don't remember if anybody remembers his dad, Dominic Robinson, played at Florida State. It was a really, really highly recruited prospect uh, back in the day. Is he? It's Georgia, is where we were at. Georgia, yeah, yeah. Georgia seems to be up front. Yeah. But the ba- the baseball part of it is what's really mm-hmm. two things are really keeping Texas in it. One, Arch Manning, mm-hmm. and two, because I believe they met on a visit. I want to say the Clemson once upon a time, and really kind of bonded there and have stayed connected. And then two, the baseball thing. Like I know David Pierce and his staff have been in contact with Deuce Robinson and they're trying to work it from their angle too. We, we talked to Keith last week about mm-hmm. how tough it is. Keith Moreland, by the way. You can hear uh, Keith's thoughts on Coach Gus. Go to the podcast page at hornfm.com. I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, but we talked to Keith just about how, t- how tough it was for him in the early mid-70s to do the football-baseball double, and now for guys, just how almost impossible that would be. We've, we've seen a few guys do it. You know, Jameis Winston has done it. There's been a few guys that have done it, but it would be really, really tough. But uh, Deuce Robinson is good enough to pull it off. Speaking of, guy, speaking of a guy, Craig, mm-hmm. that could pull off the football-baseball double, that, if it's uh, other than Deuce Robinson, and maybe there's a, somebody on that player personnel staff just finds a, a late bloomer, a late riser that – on film says, hey, coach, we got to get this guy. They're probably done with high school prospects in mm-hmm. 2023. Now it's to the portal. It's to the portal. They've already signed a couple of guys out of the portal. Ryan Sanborn, who fills a need at punter out of Stanford. Uh, and then Gavin Holmes, the corner, not the Baylor receiver, but the corner out of Wake Forest, who's going to uh, be here this week when winter workouts start. Jalen Catalan out of Arkansas. He's a football baseball guy. From Mansfield. From again, coming out of Mansfield Legacy. He's dealt with a lot of shoulder problems. Mm-hmm. Dealt with a lot of shoulder injuries. But we've seen him when healthy. He's a difference maker. Uh, he visited AM. He also visited Purdue. And yesterday, and as of last night, the visit was still ongoing, visiting Texas. Mike Roach mentions this in the Stampede this morning. That's Mike's weekly collection of uh, VIP recruiting news notes and nuggets. Sounds like this is going to come down to a battle between Texas and Purdue. He really likes Purdue. Ryan Walters just hired Sam Carter, who was at Arkansas. Those two are obviously familiar with each other. But apparently Jalen Catalan really likes Ryan Walters as a defensive mind, thinks he would fit in well in that scheme, uh, the new Purdue head coach. So it, it sounds like uh, as of right now, Purdue might have a slight edge in this thing. But whether it's Jalen Catalan or not, we talked about the importance of Texas going into the portal. You know, they missed Jihad Carter, the, the Syracuse transfer uh Texas was down in the, in the final group for him. Uh, it was Texas and Ohio State. He ends up picking Ohio State. Uh, Texas, I believe, is going to look for safety help in the portal. Yeah, they really like the, what Jaron Thompson did. I think we all like what Jaron Thompson did late in the year hit surge. But you lose Anthony Cook, and then beyond that, you got a couple of young guys with B.J. Allen and Larry Turner Gooden, who got good reviews during bowl practices. You also got Keaton Crawford, who they transitioned from corner last year, who we saw play a little bit. So they got some bodies back there, but maybe at a veteran body that can compete and, and give you some quality reps there. So keep an eye on Texas being active. If they don't get Jalen Catalan continuing to be active in the uh, safety market in the transfer portal. And that's pretty much, like I said, other than Deuce Robinson, you're looking at Texas going all in on the portal from here mm-hmm. on out. And again, it's key to remember two things. One, they're going to have attrition post-spring because everybody does. And two, 
you're in a recruiting cycle where it's an uncapped year in terms of initial counters. So as long as you have enough attrition to balance out your 85 and make sure you don't go over, there's almost, I don't want to say no limit to what you can add, but Sark has a really good idea of what the numbers are without feeling like, ah, you know, we have one counter left and maybe it's between those two guys. No, you can kind of take them, and if you've got an idea that attrition is going to happen, you can take those two guys if you really like them. So it's going to be, I'm fascinated to see how an uncapped year now, I asked Sark about that during the signing day press conference, and he said that's where it's really going to impact them is how many guys they're able to take in the portal. He said it really didn't impact them on a high school front, and as we've seen with Jelani McDonald, they're pretty much done outside of Deuce Robinson, really going to impact them on the number of portal bodies they can take. So I just wanted to uh, get every, tell everybody to get over to Horns 24-7. Mike has some other good recruiting news notes and nuggets about 2024 recruits, uh, also about the uh, – High school relations job at Texas, vacated by Chris Gilbert. Looks like some candidates might be emerging in that job. So get over to the site and check that out. I, I, I mentioned that I wanted to, to bring this up. Actually, I'll get to the Gary Patterson thing here in just a minute. Brendan Marion, no longer the receivers coach at Texas. He takes. It's funny how Jimbo Fisher, making a mockery of his offensive coordinator opening, ended up impacting Texas at the end of the day. Yeah. Because he hires Bobby Petrino. Which everybody laughs. They have a good laugh about it. Well, now UNLV needs an offensive coordinator. And it's Brennan Marion, who was done at Texas after one year, and he's the OC at UNLV. He's going to go back to calling plays, which is a really big deal. He wants to become a head coach sooner rather than later, and this is a job that can more so fast-track you down that road if that's where you want to go. So Texas has a wide receivers coach opening, Craig, for the last, I don't know how many years, whenever Texas has had one of these openings, and they've had a couple of, couple of wide receiver coach openings. The guy I always go to is Emmett Jones, now at Texas Tech. Former, he was on Reginald Sample staff for a long time at Lincoln and Skyline. He was a head coach at South Oak Cliff. He was at Texas Tech under Cliff Kingsbury. Also worked at Kansas under Les Miles. And then one year for Lance Leipold, uh, he was back at Texas Tech with Joey McGuire. I think as far as an offensive mind, developer of the position, uh, being able to keep your recruiting ties in the Metroplex, specifically South Dallas, I think he would be a home run. The problem with that is, sounds like Oklahoma Keep in mind, they're looking for a permanent wide receivers coach since the Kale Gundy incident back before the year. Sounds like, oh, you might be closing in on making Emmett Jones their wide receivers coach. So uh, Mike Roach did a really good job. Uh, it's Mike's byline, but uh, probably due to Horns 24-7 as a staff, we all kind of contribute. Uh, Mike came up with 10 names to replace Brennan Marion. Some really intriguing names, Craig, including a guy that I know, I know you've been familiar with for a minute. Joe Price, the wide receivers coach at UTSA, who yep. was an assistant at North Shore, uh, cut his teeth on the recruiting front, but really has has put himself on the track to be a fast riser with what he's done with that receiver position at uh, at UTSA. Justin Stepp at South Carolina is another one. Uh, Chancey Stuckey at Notre Dame. Holman Wiggins at Alabama is a name that was up there the first time Sark put the staff together before he ultimately uh, decided to just retain Andre Coleman. Kerry Colbert's a guy at Florida, former USC player, played in the NFL, worked uh, with Sark at U.S. Actually, Sark coached him at USC, uh, so he's a name to keep it on. You can go to Hornets 24-7 get the other names, but it's always interesting. I, I do think... And I'll credit uh, one of our posters on the flagship message board at Horns 24-7 bringing this up. I think we focus on guys from the Metroplex, and we have focused on guys from the Metroplex for the wide receivers coaching job, but because of because of the absence of Chris Gilbert. But could you piggyback it with a guy like Joe Price, who's got really strong ties in the Houston area, obviously, and then your high school relations job 
goes to a guy that's got ties in the Metroplex. So you're kind of filling two vital roles on your staff, two different positions, and you know you fill them with quality candidates. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see the way Sark goes with both of those jobs and if there's not a definite tie-in between the two. Last thing I want to get to, what does Gary Patterson think about TCU being in the national championship game? Well, Horns 24-7, we caught up with Gary Patterson uh, he, as, as he's in L.A., uh, Chip Brown put this together, and Chip mentioned that back in the summer, Gary Patterson told him, hey, TCU's got a chance to be pretty good. They're a veteran team. They're going to have a chance. And he was right, and he said, "It's a." He, this is a direct quote from Gary Patterson to Horns 24-7. He said about TCU, uh, it's a veteran team. The average age of TCU's, average age, excuse me, of TCU starters is closer to 23, whereas our starters average age at Texas this past season was closer to 19. That makes a big difference. Uh, Gary Patterson also said, some people think I went to work at Texas out of spite for TCU, but that wasn't it. I just needed to get away. When asked if he's going to come back for another year on Sark staff, he said, after getting let go at TCU, I started working at Texas in January. So Kelsey and I didn't really get to take any time for ourselves. That's what we're doing right now, even taking this trip to California. I've never had a bowl experience as a spectator. This is new, so... Just kind of chilling right now. He did say it's bittersweet, but he's obviously all in on TCU tonight against Georgia. Absolutely, uh, certainly is. Um, uh, the that was a pretty, pretty meaty notebook there. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, CB says uh, Brennan, Brennan Marion didn't live up to the hype. The wide receivers clearly regressed the season compared to last season, other than blocking. I would think a lot of that gets put on Xavier Worthy in the uh, year he had. Brennan yeah. Marion lived up to the hype as a recruiter. Yeah. With DeAndre Moore and Jonte Cook, Ryan Niblett. Uh, and, and I think from that standpoint. CB, you're listening to Bucky too much, you know. <laughs> I think from he's, that, not, he's not with Brennan Marion. <laughs> I think, well, and I think from that standpoint, uh, you know, to, to get that kind of talent in the room, at the end of the day, the guys came to Texas for Brennan Marion, but it's still Sark's offense, so the roles aren't going right. to change. The, the upside for those guys won't change. Uh, I do think, though, you know, it, did Brendan Marion do as good a job as I thought he was going to do? Did the wide receivers have the kind of year I thought they were going to have? No. But I think a lot of that goes to the kind of year Xavier Worthy had. And honestly, when you talk about the younger guys on the roster, I'm more disappointed in the lack of the lack of opportunities guys like Save Young and Red and Brendan Thompson got. Not so much their development, but we didn't really get to see what those guys could do. And part of that was you had a legitimate number one option emerge at tight end with J.T. That's Sanders. That's where I was going with that. I mean, there, there were going to be less balls thrown to the wide receivers because of what they were doing with J.T. Sanders. Let's see if I still have this pulled up. No, I don't have it pulled up right now. But I was looking at the targets, Craig, and yeah. I think I mentioned this when we talked about Jordan Whittington coming back. I brought this up last week. Uh, when you look at the targets that the Texas receivers got this season, Xavier Worthy... PFF is taking its sweet time. There we go. Xavier Worthy had 113 targets. Then you've got JT Sanders with 72. Jordan Whittington with 72. Then there's a gap from two, from tied for second to fourth is Bijan Robinson with 29. Yeah, it's and a big you, gap. And you don't have another perimeter skill guy show up until Casey Kane at 19. So heavy, heavy, heavy usage to those top three guys. And that's also why when those numbers are trotted out to Sark, he, it, it, it's kind of a pish-posh to him that because of, he says when we look at the passing game, we don't, we don't break it down into how many balls the, 
wide receivers are getting this and this. We're gonna we're looking at it as who's helping us in the passing game, and that's where the tight end position took such a, such a major role. And the running backs season. too. I mean, yeah, we, we talked about it all off season. I mean, I know we talked about it on Longhorn Blitz. Rod was a big proponent of it, using more multi back sets. Mm. And Snoop and I kind of laughed at it last week while you were gone. Like at this time a year ago, and up until the start of the season. We were talking about Keelan Robinson from the standpoint of, can he catch a ball? Like, can he just be, like, any kind of a viable threat? And he actually ended up having a really good year as a receiver out of the backfield and doing some different things with him. So, yeah, the, the wide receiver group, it left something to be desired, but I don't, I don't put that 100% on Brennan Marion. I, you know, Xavier Worthy, we know he had issues with the drops. Uh, the, bigger, the two bigger things are, and maybe one, in hindsight, we probably should have expected it, you got nothing out of a Jai Hall. Yep. And the injury to Isaiah Nayer completely yep. changed the complexion of what we thought this offense was going to be. Troy O'Meary never able to get completely back and now headed yeah. for Arizona State. And you can say Tariq Milton, but like I said, yeah. Tariq Milton was an insurance policy for Jordan Whittington. Well, Jay Witt played all 13 games, caught 50 balls. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Um, you want to hear this thing about the water with the uh, basketball? Yeah. Thing? Well, um, Team Charter leaves on Friday. Uh, and we land, and when the team and we all get on the bus, word is sent down that there is no water at the hotel because there's been a water main break. Yikes. Now, nearby. Not at the hotel, but nearby. In fact, we even saw where it happened in the the street area where it was where they were repairing it. But they said they were optimistic, the hotel was, and other people that – uh, it been in touch with the city of Stillwater that it was going to be repaired in time. Mm-hmm. So what happened was the team goes of the hotel. They were able to feed the team, and of course the team carries its own water and energy drinks, you know, sport, you know, Gatorade and all that other kind of stuff. They carry it with them, so there's plenty of hydration fluids for the team. It's just there's not any toilet facilities really. Well, you can't really flush the toilets. Or uh, use the shower. Is that a very low pressure? Is everybody using their own toilet, or is it one toilet? Well, I, I well, one. It, no, no, I need no, to know. no, no, no. I mean, <laughs> in their own toilet, in their room. own specific rooms. Okay. You had a little bit of, you had maybe a couple of flushes, and you had just a little bit of low pressure water. Right. That was it. Because you don't need like a pancake stack piling up or anything. No, like that. no, not that I know of. That, that so, so, so they go, isn't that what y'all did during no. the, the ice storm? No, Two years ago, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. that happened in the bathroom. Yeah. I just heard it was like a war zone in that bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Brutal. Yeah, you're um, not disagreeing with yeah, us right yeah, now. Yeah, are you? I know you're not. I didn't do it. We didn't say you did it. You know, you're protesting a little too loudly no. there. You know, I will put graffiti uh, on the wall. It should be shame. All right, <laughs> oh, gosh. So none of that like happened. Finger paintings. Okay. Yeah. None of that happened. Okay. <laughs> so they fed the team. Then uh, they chilled for, for a little while. Then they went over to Gallagher-Iba. So went over and had a practice there where the toilet facilities were working fine. That's and good. All that, that other kind of stuff. So they did. had a really good practice on, uh, on Friday. And then um, the word was, here's what's going to happen. We're going to dinner. The team was going to go uh, to a nearby steakhouse and we was going to have dinner. We're going to find out if the water is working. If it is not working, this was the word that came down, uh, we're going to a different hotel was was the deal. So, um, meantime, uh, 
my produ- my engineer producer on the road, Dave Garrett, and I had some other work we had to finish uh, there at the arena. So we didn't go with the team to dinner. We stayed, and then we went to Hideaway Pizza, which is a Stillwater you know, landmark. So we went there and grabbed a pizza or whatever. And then I got back to the hotel before the team did, and I asked the guy at the front desk, is the water working? He said, yes. I went, oh, good. And he goes, but it might not be all night. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, it's working right now. They did a stopgap thing, but they need to come back and swap out some parts. So it might go down for a little bit again, but then be back. But that would be pretty late. I was like, okay. So I went back to the room, and it was working. Nice. Water was working fine. Blah, blah, blah. Get done. Bedtime comes. Go to bed. Wake up early in the morning. Because remember, it's an 11 a.m. game. The team meal breakfast was 730 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Get up. It's back at a trickle. Back at a Damn. trickle. So what am I going to do? I, well, at first I eat breakfast. Go back. What am I going to do? Well, it's I say it's a trickle. It's like a real low flow, and it's all cold water. So I take what's known in the industry as a horse bath and go there, and you know, and you just get a washcloth and you wash under your arms and your upper chest and all that other kind of stuff, and try to clean yourself up Why as is best it as possible. A horse bath. <laughs> don't don't even go there. Okay, so I get, that sounded like a. <laughs> like a question coming from your toddler. Yeah, really. So where do uh, babies come from? Yeah. <laughs> so the team doesn't have any more. Doesn't have any water. Uh, it, but I get dressed. I go over there. Well, what they did was they took the team over early to Gallagher Iva, and uh, they actually went over and showered before the game. They well, did that's good, that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and then and then they go out and play the game, and they win. And one of the questions I asked Rodney Terry and I asked Brock Cunningham as well in the post game. We'll hear it in the next hour. Is uh, did you uh, did maybe a superstitious thing? You keep going this. Rodney Terry was like, "No, we're not doing that." And Brock was, like, "I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing." I, you know, so that's what happened with the water. It didn't come back on after that. Uh, so fortunately, when the game was over, I went over to the women's hotel uh, where the women's basketball teams where they had no water issues, and I was able to actually take a full shower <laughs> afterwards, change clothes, and then go back over to call the women's game on Saturday night. So, other than going to – how was the steakhouse, by the way? Good? I didn't go with them because oh, I, I stayed with Dave to do – we had to work out a couple other technical things, and we went to Hideaway Pizza. The uh, Okay. Well, then you almost got the full tilt Gerald Texas experience with the no running water. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. All you needed was a nice helping of possum or raccoon for dinner. Okay, and, you know. All right. Well, it was in Payne County, Oklahoma. All right. Uh, we have a delicacy up there. <laughs> up next, we have Inconceivable and Light the Tower continues on the horn. Bucky and Aaron. A lot of different uh, theories on what that term horse bath means afterwards after we said that. Ooh. But um, got some other things. You know, I, I mentioned. Hey, real quick, yeah. Greg, uh, a little bit of breaking news on the Indian oh. NFL front. Yes. Uh, yes, new, this is where the breaking news sounded real quick. Uh, this is not inconceivable. Uh, it's quite it is, inconceivable. Since it is Black Monday, yeah. uh, Adam Schefter reporting that the Arizona Cardinals have fired no. head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, there was, that's not inconceivable at all. In fact, it was quite conceivable. That Ian Rappaport also reporting, yeah, there's multiple reports now that Cliff Kingsbury's been fired. Is Lovey gone officially? Lovey was, was gone, gone yesterday. yesterday. Oh, Lovey was gone before he hit the shower yesterday. Oh, I don't know if the water was working, but I mean, he was gone before his cold trickle. Yeah, all right. So, uh, I, I was talking about the NFL with you guys yesterday about Tom Brady and the Bucks. They're going to go into the playoffs with an eight and nine record to host the Cowboys. Did you know that uh, Tom Brady 
suffered his first losing season as the primary starting quarterback in NFL, college, or high school. He never had a losing regular season ever. The closest I think he would have come in 02, weren't the Patriots 8 and 8? Yeah. 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 Might have been the closest he came. So 8 and 9 clinched his first losing season as the primary starting quarterback in the NFL, college, or high school. Dang. Off of that. And that's why I said he might have been able to uh, avoid that uh, had, you know, had had he played more in the quarter, but he wasn't going to play more than the quarter. He wanted to play more, by the way, but they, uh, the uh, Bucks were like, no, 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 no. You know, we need to do that. We need you for the Cowboys. You know, you're going to need that. Um, Somebody's going to be real sad next Monday. Uh, yeah. Well. It better not be us. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Better not be sad on Monday unless it's late, late Monday late, night. The game's late. Monday night. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, a lot of sad people because of what happened with the meltdown with Southwest Airlines on yeah. holiday. So they've added up the tab on what this is going to cost. Oh, my gosh. Southwest. Anybody care to guess? I'm going to go ahead and guess half a billion. It's not a bad guess. I, I'm out of my league here. Your bid would be low, Jeff Howe. The The... Cost of the service meltdown cost the airlines nearly $1 billion and will cause the company to report a loss rather than a profit in the fourth quarter. I know so many people are heartbroken about that news. Darn, execs don't get their bonus checks. Yeah, they canceled more than 16,700 flights between December 21st and December 29th, and the cost is going to